Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello there. This is Seb from the hit podcast, Goats. Now, the more observant of you listening to this episode might think, oh, Seb sounds a little bit like he's recording from under the sea. Well, I have some news. I'm actually not recording from under the sea in this week's episode. I'm just in America. So, kind of the same thing, I guess. Is that a joke? I don't know if that's a joke. In my head, that's a joke, but it's not like a play on words or it's not a reference to anything. Like, America isn't underwater. They haven't had some sort of recent tsunami. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, my audio is going to sound a little bit wibbly-wobbly. I'm sorry. I Believe me, I have really, you know, just taken that on board. So, have a listen. Enjoy it. And, um, I should probably leave you with some sort of joke like Billy does. I don't have one. Hello and welcome to The Greatest Show on Earth, this week hosted from the greatest nation on Earth, the United States of A. Before we get started, before we get started, let's do a bit of housekeeping. Don't forget, you can keep up with the show and everything that we've got going on behind the scenes on our Instagram, the underscore goats underscore pod. It's pretty great. You can also watch video versions of these episodes on YouTube, link in the bio. If you want to support the show and listen ad-free, you can become a Patreon or patron of the show at patreon.com slash thegoatspodcast. With all of that sorted, how are you guys doing today? No, I'm good, Seb. I'm good. Um, what have I been doing? Nothing, really. Cool. Vinny, <laughs> <laughs> right, could you rescue the show with some sort of interesting anecdote or are we destined for this to be just incredibly boring? Um... No, I can't. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I've got nothing going on in my life. Well, I do have a funny story to tell, but I don't know whether to tell that is to do with art. Vinny's putting his finger up, telling me to stop. Should I just tell no, it not later, to stop. I tell it now? I have a funny story if you want me to tell that. Well, I, I don't know if we should just sort of segue into it better, maybe some point in the show where it's a bit more relevant. I'm trying to think of if there's been any anecdotes at my end. Um, 
Well, I fucking hope so. What have you been doing? <laughs> oh, mate, we saw some sea lions and a dolphin Sweet. and a pelican and some seals. And they were all in the wild. We didn't want in a zoo or nothing. Oh, wow. And, um, That's actually cool. Yeah. And we rented a muscle car and I've been driving like a bellend in my hat and it feels great. Anyway, look, this last five minutes has been rather like some sort of terrifying art piece that you'd be subjected to at an art gallery and have to stand in front of and try and pull some sort of deeper meaning out of when it's actually just a bunch of shit. (laughs) And on that note, when we talk about the great representatives of the human race, we often point towards art, specifically fine art. Artists like Caravaggio, Da Vinci and Phidias are often cited as the pinnacle of what the human race is capable of. In fact, these great geniuses are often used as a kind of unofficial lineage of divinely gifted creators leading back to the OG gifted geezer, Jesus of Nazareth, despite the fact that Phidias was kicking around about 430 years before him, but we'll gloss over that. But which of these people, able to capture the thoughts, feelings and likenesses of people, landscapes, or in fact an entire nation, is the best? Well, there's only two people to turn to in such an important moment. Two people who've been called artists themselves. One who creates masterpieces of copper and wire, and the other who simply uses an extra thin Rizzler. It's Vinny and Michael. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> did you, uh, Vinny, did you pick up on the fact that he didn't do his f- fine artists? Damn fine. He didn't do that joke on the second run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did pick up on that, actually. <laughs> sorry, Sam. Doesn't seem like you're sorry. Seems like you're a bit of a twat. <laughs> I'll go first. Go for it, uh, I'll time you as well, if you want, Seb. Art, for me, is something that I'm quite conflicted with. And in fact, when the goat artist came up on our WhatsApp group, Seb said, yeah, let's do that because Mork thinks art is shit. Now, I don't necessarily think art is shit, and I really like the classics. Like, I've been to see some Rembrandt stuff, and I've been to the Van go museum van gogh or van gogh how i don't know vinny help yeah that one and that's sick uh i like the marble statues and all that good shit it's art it's skillful it takes talent it looks dope as hell however i have never ever and i cannot seem to get my head around quote modern art my first introduction was tracy emmons bed and no, I was not sleeping with her. <laughs> <laughs> she is an artist, apparently. And she has this piece, or whatever, um, which was literally just a bed, messy, like covers strewn with some shit on the floor in the middle of an art gallery. And it was called My Bed. And I just couldn't fathom it. She was like the most pretentious person ever, like explaining all this meaning and how all deep it is. And like, she makes you feel so stupid because like you don't understand it. And like, if art is really just about interpretation and it's all about like, oh, how you interpret it and that, then for me, it's just a load of shit. Like, it's just a fucking bed. It's just a shit 
unmade bed. Oh, look at me. Oh, I'm so deep and like meaningful and that. Like, oh, because I can see like the bed and that. Like, whatever. Like, oh, now I'm a fucking billionaire as well. Or like, is like a paint splatter, paint splatter this on the wall. Like, oh, give me like a bazillion dollars and that. Like, oh, yeah. And I saw, oh, and I saw this other person, right? Her whole thing, right? She basically just gets naked and then just squirts all like big blobs of paint on this canvas and just rolls around in it and then is like, rah, fucking eat that up. And like people fucking love it. Like at this point, art is probably like, I could just be an artist right now. I'll just like dip my knob into <laughs> No, carry on, carry on. You, I believe you, you could do this. <laughs> dip your knob into what? Go on, Michael, what are you putting your knob in? <laughs> I'm trying to do it without laughing, because it'll be, it'll be good. Oh, so sorry to the editor, that was almost flawless. Nope. Like, ah, at this point, right, I could just literally be an artist. Like, I could literally just be an artist, right? I could just get my knob and just dip it into a tin of paint. <laughs> Is it really that funny? <laughs> <laughs> I could just get my knob right, just dip it into a tin of paint, and just cock slap a canvas and call it art, and I'll be a fucking billionaire. Like, I just don't care, right? It doesn't mean all this shit, and it's not so good, right? Have a day off, it's crap, it's rubbish. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Cool. <laughs> so choosing a goat artist for me was going to be tough. <laughs> but actually, it wasn't quite as tough as I first thought when I kind of realised who I was going to do and was like, oh, yeah. Oh, sick, actually. It was quite obvious in the end. And the person who I've chosen as the goat is none other than the most elusive man in the world and someone whose identity remains one of the biggest mysteries, even more than the Loch Ness Monster and the Pigman. Of course, it's Banksy. Bristol's Ooh. own. Bristol's very so, own. Well, yeah, who is Banksy? Nobody knows. Well, no one knows. So, moving on. Anyway. Cool. Now, <laughs> Banksy is a street artist. He's a graffiti artist from Brizzy Bristol, Vinny's place of residence. Yeah. <laughs> who remains anonymous and his true identity remains a secret. There's lots of speculation as to who he is or whether or not it's actually one person or a guy or a girl or is it multiple people as like a kind of syndicate, art syndicate, but no one knows. Banksy started off as like an underground graffiti artist in the 90s and he used a stencil technique to spray his images all over the world. Banksy's art is very anti-establishment anti-war and anti-capitalist most famously he does paintings of things like rats apes policemen soldiers like children housemaids stuff like that and we've all seen banksy's art and what it looks like like i don't really need to explain all of them you know the two guys from pulp fiction holding up bananas for guns the girl letting go of the red balloon the guy in the balaclava during a riot throwing a bunch of flowers instead of like a hand grenade he has also done stuff on the gaza strip which is cool really yeah he spray painted a dove with a bulletproof vest and a target on it holding an olive branch in its mouth on the wall in um very symbolic gaza, which is yeah exactly yeah and he also did a 
like a little girl in a pink dress patting down a soldier, like giving him a strip search, which is cool. And again, yeah, his work is very thought provoking. He's trying to make a point. It's genius, really. And as always on this podcast, iconic. And I like it because unlike the shitty unmade bed or me cock slapping a canvas, it's got real genuine meaning behind it without being ridiculously pretentious. One of my favourite stunts that he pulled, actually, was throwing a bunch of fake £10 notes into the crowd at Notting Hill Carnival that read Banksy of England instead of Bank of England. The fakes were so good that people didn't know that they had fake Banksy money and just spent them in shops, and shops took them, even though later on they'd go on to be worth thousands of pounds. Banksy also created a temporary theme park called Dismaland, which was based in Western Supermare, which is funny because I go to Western Supermare all the time and it's fucking dismal. Yep. It's so- a shit <laughs> it's Even people from yeah. Western think it's a fucking shithole. Yeah. So it was obviously intentional that Dismaland was going to be in Western Supermare because it is a massive shithole. But this temporary art exhibition was called a... Ow, oh, this word is difficult for me to say. Um, what's it called? It was called a bemusement park. Okay. Yeah? yeah. Not right. an amusement park. A bit bemusement park. Do you know what bemuse means? Like bad and shit in it. No. <laughs> it means kind of annoyed. unamused. Does it mean, a, does it mean like an, annoyed? Is that what it means? No, it means like uh, I think it, I thought it meant like um, slightly confused and interested. Like it's like a oh. Uh, it, it just means apparently puzzled, confused, or bewildered. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, and it fits. And the tagline for Dismaland was "Family Theme Park Unsuitable for Children." And it featured work from 58 artists and Banksy himself put some work in there. And probably the best stuff in there was like a big sculpture of Shamu or like some killer whale jumping through a hoop, but it was jumping out of a toilet, which was like, it was also around the time where like Blackfish came out and SeaWorld was under massive like scrutiny. So it was really relevant at the time as well. And when the exhibition finished, the structures were dismantled and they were used to build shelters in the refugee camps in Calais. So it all went to a good cause as well. He was not just making like billions of quid off it like Tracy Emmett being a fucking tool. But my favourite, my absolute favourite Banksy stunt and the reason why I picked Banksy was his 2018 self-destructing painting. Hmm. Now... It might seem from my opening rant that I would object to Banksy because, like, you know, modern art, symbolism and all that kind of shit. However, I like him because, like me, he thinks that the money paid for paintings and modern art, even his own work, is absurd, the money that's spent. And he often objects to people paying extortionate fees for his work. And he made sure that people knew he felt this way in 2018. Like, he doesn't go around selling his stuff in an art gallery. He just spray paints a wall, you know. So he's trying to be anti-art establishment. So in 2018, an original print that he did of the girl with the red balloon was being sold in London at an auction house. And an anonymous bidder bought the painting for £1.4 million which is a lot of money. I think it was the most expensive Banksy at the time. However, 
to the shock and horror of the auction house. As soon as the gavel hit and the painting had been sold, a secret mechanism in the canvas activated and the painting was half shredded through the bottom of the canvas. Banksy posted on Instagram immediately with the caption, going, going, gone. (laughs) Banksy had placed this shredder mechanism into the canvas prior to it going on auction. And as soon as it was sold, he would activate the mechanism and the painting would be destroyed, giving the finger and his thoughts to the auctioneers about his thoughts about the prices for his work. However, it didn't quite go exactly to plan because this is fucking art world after all and they're all just making shit up as they go along. Now, apparently the original idea was to have the painting fully shredded and it worked in testing every time, but this kind of stopped halfway through. People speculated that because it had been laying for a while. Maybe the battery had gone flat or whatever, but only half of the painting got shredded. And... So the person who initially bought the piece for that 1.4 million, like they still purchased it and went ahead with the purchase and everything else, even after it being shredded. And the auction house actually said, Banksy didn't destroy this artwork. He created one. And they called it the first artwork in history to have been created during an auction. They saw it in the opposite way. They saw it as the point he was trying to make now makes the point of, oh, look how fucking good this is. And the shredded piece was then sold in 2021 for a reported $25 million. So even when he's trying to make the point, the art world just refuses and slap him right back in the face. He's had his critics, though, like mainly from people saying that his work is just mindless vandalism and has no meaning other than just to promote crime and vandalism, which kind of really reinforces Banksy's point of anti-establishment. I mean, like, the man is trying to stifle his freedom of speech by saying, your art's not good enough, it's just vandalism, etc. And he's also criticised, which is weird as well, for being too obvious. Like, his messages and his meaning, they're not thought-provoking at all. It's just... It's just, you know, it's just for the sake of it. He's just being edgy and it's easy to do. And he's just a he's just a fucking hipster, man. And it's like, really? Like, isn't all modern art obvious? Isn't me cock slapping a canvas to, <laughs> to make millions of pounds obvious? Like, of course it's fucking obvious. Like, are we really saying that Banksy's shit because he's obvious, but me leaving a banana on the floor of the Tate, etc., is like some brilliant, meaningful thing. And it's a bit rich to be told that some messy, shitty bed is groundbreaking, wonderful art to the highest level. But, oh, Banksy, he's just obvious, man. I think they're the fucking hipsters. (laughs) And really... That just brings me full circle. And the reason why I actually do like Banksy, I think he's sick. He's kind of the bad guy in the art world. Like, I mean, he is actually a criminal. Spray painting the side of buildings is technically vandalism. So he's creating art by committing crime to make people think and getting noticed. And he gets a lot of love. Like, people fucking love Banksy. They think he's cool. But he gets a fair amount of hate as well. Like, he's got his critics, obviously. And I think his paintings are cool and they look good. And that's at the most basic level. They just look cool. You know, like not one, I would, you know, any Banksy, it looks, looks cool. doesn't matter about the meaning. It looks cool. And at the most basic level, that's the most important thing. And I think that that's the best compliment you can pay to Banksy. And the mystery of his identity as well is really cool. 
Like, I hope we never find out who's behind the mask. I think it should remain a mystery forever. Like, Banksy's just dope. He's a dope artist. He doesn't give a shit about what people think of him necessarily making millions of dollars and making art for the sake of it and cock-slapping canvases and shitty, messy beds. Like, he wants to promote his stuff and make a point and be anti-establishment and spray paint the Gaza Strip. He's just, yeah, he's cool. He does some good-ass graffiti. And that's all I need to say. And that's why he's the GOAT. Nice. I'm a big Banksy fan. Um, well, I'm a semi-Banksy fan. I do like a bit of Banksy. I think that he's a funny one because I think he exists in a weird cross-section where he's like, a lot of graffiti artists don't think that he is a real graffiti artist, which I think there is some level of, point to the stenciling does make his work different to a lot of graffiti you know he's not just using like a spray can he is he is like stenciling and it makes it a lot quicker it takes a lot of the risk out of street art which i think a lot of people see as like a fundamental aspect of it is is having to sit there and and like be on display while you're working um also i've seen people say that with like photoshop and stuff creating stencils is remarkably easy. Hmm. So there isn't a lot of artistic craft in what he does. I've seen that said. And also the other thing I have, like, I do get the vibe, and I don't know if my view would agree with this, but, like, in the same way that you might say Stormzy is X-Factor grime, I Hmm. wonder if there's an argument that Banksy is kind of X-Factor graffiti. He is very digestible. But on the flip side of that, I think he is really good and I love his work and I've read all of his books and I've watched all of his films and I think he's a really interesting person. Well, like you said, with his sensing thing, I think that's kind of like the product of his fame now, isn't it? Is on like, he has to kind of, he has to lower the risk because otherwise the whole ruse is going to be up, isn't it? You know, like he's come yeah. so fucking massive. Like he's never going to get away with, he's got to be, I bet he's got to be so careful, but he's actually really paranoid. Well, yeah, and it's, it's, it's difficult as well. Like, he gets accused of a lot of the same things that... he, You know, he has, he's gone from being a street artist to a mainstream artist, and he now gets accused of all of the same things that mainstream artists get accused of, yeah. which is having a studio in which he has understudies who do most of his work for him, and he just signs off on it. All of that kind of stuff has been accused of every major artist ever. Um, most of... yeah. Every art, like Damien Hurst, has been accused of that like a billion times. Just sort of going like, but when you get to that idea? point, you have to do it. Like you have to do it when you get to that point, don't you? I guess. Yeah, and then yeah, but I do think he's great. And I, the other thing I wanted to say is like, I feel like that argument that his stuff is like very obvious, and it is obvious. It's like quite on the nose subversive like his sort of his main thing is like subverting expectation it's like you thought you were looking at this and actually you're looking at that that's like his base level one two thing he goes like oh here's a guy throwing something you thought it was going to be a molotov cocktail is actually some flowers here's a girl sewing something you thought it was going to be in a nike sweatshop she's actually making flags for the jubilee like it's like a it's just a very base thing and i do think that's quite on the nose but I think everyone needs a reason to get into art and everyone needs a reason to find art interesting. And actually, I think there is like something to be said for just making stuff that people can get behind and not just being so pretentious that people can't really get into it. And I also think I do find like modern art and postmodern art 
in some cases like a bit offensive i think it is i think you know people have every right to be angry when someone fucking takes a shit on a canvas and says that it's worth more than your salary like that is offensive that's anti-art like the point of that is to be offensive which people like it go for i think but no but i mean there are genuine people there that like make these paint splatter things don't they with the intention that they're being like super clever and super deep and meaningful and stuff and it's like they're trying so hard to not be obvious so that you almost it's almost like they want you to not understand the meaning because it's so fucking deep but then call banksy obvious for making something that's just looks good and easy to understand kind of annoys me and i do think there's also become like a movement of like the art has become like so meta it's like the statement i'm making is look how look how little i can do and still call it art and that's become the statement and then the statement because it just becomes this like snowball and i do think that becomes like quite frustrating for people to engage in so i think banksy has a lot to to do for people like that and i it was definitely the first artist i got excited by a hundred percent and i think that's like the case for a lot of people so get on banks and he did make that vest for Stormzy at the Brits, which was cool. He did make that Stormzy vest. X Factor graffiti meets X Factor grime. <laughs> it's Skepta's the X Factor MC, remember? Stormzy's Is a he? bigger X Factor MC, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Way Stormzy bigger. Stormzy actually did perform on X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like saying Skepta because it winds you up more, Sam. Yeah, winds you up because you've got no right to make that judgment. That's what I find for Skepta's an X Factor MC. <laughs> anyway. You don't get about nine bars stacking up the peas. By MC Dilf's album being released at uh, the end of <laughs> April. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's fire mixtape. <laughs> it's called Cock Slapper Canvas. <laughs> <laughs> the album is just your cock slapped in some paint on the canvas. <laughs> it's like a it's like a um raw shark test it's just my penis <laughs> we should do it we should make that art what'd be the smallest art ever made if it was his cock <laughs> oh tiny dick joke well, they'd probably be we... like oh it's just a picture of an acorn a tiny tiny little acorn <laughs> oh good one mate <laughs> The first well, bit of art that has to get sold with a fucking microscope. <laughs> you got a tiny cock, mate. Right, well, Cut on that, that note. <laughs> let's get to the middle bit. Um, now, for this week's quiz, I thought I'd do something a bit more educational than usual. Oh, fucking hell. No, Michael, don't groan. Oh, it's still interesting and fun, right, yeah. but it just has an education. It's like BBC Bite Size when you're a kid, you know? They trick you. You think you're just playing Friv, but actually you're learning. No, I wasn't. I was playing Miniclip, actually. I love a bit of Miniclip. Right, because <laughs> I thought everyone knows a little bit about art and everyone's heard of most of the artistic periods and movements, but I would say a fair few of us, myself included, don't really know what they mean. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the name of an artistic movement and you're both going to have a go in a few sentences, just a few. You're going to both have a go at describing what you think that movement was all about. You know, what style of painting or sculpting is represented by that movement, a famous artist, and what time in history you think it took place. Right. Okay. And if one of you is spot on, you'll get the points. If not, it'll be whoever's closest. And then I'll read out what actually that art period was all about, that movement was all about. So, Mork, 
I'm going to start nice and easy for you. Mm. What is modern art or when did it begin? I, this is going to be a fucking trick question, isn't it? Because it's going to be like, oh, sorry, I'm like 1878, mate, when like someone didn't draw a painting of like Henry VIII. They drew like a zebra. <laughs> Henry VIII was not knocking about in 1878. <laughs> By 1878, we had like cameras and telephones. Right? Yeah. We, no, we didn't. That's what they want you to believe. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, right, modern art, is shit basically it's just a bunch of shit right it's just people not doing paintings just making fucking messy beds cocks laughing a canvas just like you're not answering the question yeah <laughs> just going on another rant <laughs> that's what modern right, art it's is fucking, right first of all it's shit so <laughs> yeah. let's just get that out of the way it's fucking shit <laughs> it's like art that is like subverting the norm of that period is the definition of modern art. And it started in fucking 1960. And name an artist, maybe, as well? And name an artist, Damien Hirst. Okay, so modern art began in 1850 I fucking nearly or got it. 1900, depending on what your, what your definition, and it ran until the 1960s. So most of what you consider to be modern art, Michael, is actually postmodern art. Yeah, um, I was going to say that. Things like impressionism, post-impressionism are actually what is considered modern art. What does this stuff even so, mean? For instance, Claude Monet is considered to be a modern artist. Is that Claude Van Damme's brother? <laughs> okay. The most famous would be Pablo Picasso. He was he was he's a modern artist. Fuck's sake. Um I actually think that Damien Hirst, I don't even know if he was born in the period of modern art. I think he is postmodern and he is not a modern artist, Michael. Well so I hope we've all learned something there. You done this quiz to set me up, Seb, like last week. This is revenge. Because he knows I don't know this shit. He knows that I don't know what... You don't know, the thing is, you don't know any of this stuff, though. That's it. I don't so... know anything about postmodern, classic, renaissance, regardless. Like, But we're I... doing an episode on art. That if, It was going to be a quiz on I something. Know, and I you know. were That's never going to get it. If... He set me <laughs> so up. Just suck it up. <laughs> he set me up. <laughs> so I've just, had a, um, I've just had a word from the studio. Right. Um, yeah. One of our lovely producers of this show actually did an art degree. And they were just informing me that Michael has made the common mistake of mistaking modern art for contemporary art. So contemporary... Why? What does that mean? It's just paintings and shit, isn't it? Okay, well, we're going to move on. So... (laughs) Simple man, the simple life. (laughs) (laughs) So, Vinny V-Dog Middlemost. That's me. I'm going to give you another art period, and all you've got to do is tell me what happened and who did it. Okay. The Baroque period. Uh, Brock Lesnar, um, WWE. Because <laughs> there was music in the Baroque period. There's Baroque, like classical music, isn't there? When was the Baroque period? Was it? Ah, oh, was it the? I want to say it was the 18th century. Um, and Baroque. I know, like, Baroque pop is characterized by a lot of, like, complicated, 
a lot of things happening. There's a lot of uh, it's like quite elegant. There's a lot of um, a lot of threads, a lot of things happening at the same sort of time. So it's quite um, intricate, is what I would describe it as. I don't know if I could name a single Baroque artist though. Do you know what? I'm going to give you the point because the Baroque. No, can I get? Can I guess quickly? Place... Can I guess? <laughs> okay. Because I reckon I can steal this. Was the Fine. Baroque period around 2010 when he was elected president? You know, Baroque. Baroque. <laughs> <laughs> was it 2008 when he was elected as well? You, <laughs> you fool. It's such a dreadful joke on so many levels. It didn't work on any of them. It was barely a play on words. You didn't even get the setup right. <laughs> Okay, so the Baroque period is an art period with highly ornate embellished depictions of important events, including royalty or religious stories. And you're right, it uses a lot of deep colours, lots of detail and asymmetry and the high contrast of light and dark. This period is often associated with the Catholic Counter-Reformation. So it's like very that high Catholic, like what you consider when you look in like, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to like a Spanish church where it's all gold and like oh, yeah. super over the top, highly ornate. Yeah. And our famous artist from that time, or probably the most famous artist is Caravaggio. Okay. Um, and also Vermeer were both Baroque period. And it took place between 1600 and 1750, which is when at least a bit of that was the 18th century. So you're getting the points. Yes. And again, I hope we've all learned something, mm. children. Especially about Barack Obama. <laughs> Fuck off. He was elected in 2008, not 2010. <laughs> well, I was trying to quickly think of it. <laughs> that really <Okay>. witty joke. <laughs> so, Vinny, not Vinny, Michael. I'm gonna give you so just to just to I'm gonna give you a heads up. This is a sub genre. Oh, I'm sake. picking this because I feel like you might know more about it because it's a bit more recent. It's a sub genre of modern art. So that's I've already I've cut the time period down quite significantly. I can't remember when you said though. 1960. That's it. Got it. It finished. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what is <laughs> expressionism? Oh, yo! I actually have heard of this. But I fucked if I know what it means. Um, expressionism is like expressing yourself. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like you gotta, you know, pow! This is me. This is my expression. <laughs> Oof! Here you go. Have some of this. Like a bit of this, bit of that. You know, like. Like you're not doing, you're not doing like oh bro, just good because it looks good. You're like wham, wham. Look a bit of color, a bit of express this, bit of that. It's a bit crazy in that. It was around like 1940, and my main G Pablo Picasso. He was the master of expressionism. Okay, I think. Wow. You were almost well. right. So expressionism is an art movement centered in Germany where the artist distorts reality in order to express emotion. German expressionism. You remember like uh Nosferatu, isn't that German expressionism or 
Oh. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah. Mate, you should know this. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah, well, that's maybe that's where I heard it. But I'm trying to think on my feet here. I don't know shit about art. Okay, Vinny, I'm, I'm now scrolling back up the art timeline. So here's one that we've all heard of. And I'm not even going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go a bit more specific. Now, do you know what? I'm going to go general. What is the Renaissance period? So that was uh, in Italy. Uh, da Vinci is the most famous Renaissance painter. I want to say, is it the 15th century? And it was... I don't know what the actual characteristics of it were other than the fact that it was just basically everyone was very wealthy and they were all very nostalgic for Rome and so they made lots of very good like sculptures and very like beautiful arts basically. Yes. I'm going to you know what? I'm going to give you the points again. You were bang on with the timeline. It was between 1350 and 1600 and the renaissance period artist used realistic linear perspective and classical ideas oh, that's it. to realistically depict nature and beauty so it's mm. specifically with the likes of michelangelo and leonardo da vinci obviously a lot of people know those as what are they called oh fuck those guys who can do a bit of everything what were they called it was renaissance people right yeah renaissance men that's... yeah yeah renaissance men yeah <laughs> That's it. Yeah. No, you yeah. said that Michelangelo was the greatest ever painter and decorator, decorator, remember? Exactly. They're Renaissance men. So but then we actually bit... crowned that other geezer, like Dave from the pub, whatever his name was. <laughs> Dave from the pub. What was he called? <laughs> John. John Donaldson. John Donaldson. No, so John Donaldson, also part of the Renaissance. So they used their wide variety of knowledge on subjects like science, mathematics, to influence their art and help create for the first time, incredibly accurate depictions of the human form. So when you go to like a, a gallery and there's that jump between quite flat, not particularly accurate kind of just caricatures of Jesus and Mary and God and that stuff. And then you jump from that to like Michelangelo and the big one where he's touching God. That is the Renaissance period. Well done, V-Dog. Another point. I'm now going to scroll back up my timeline to something a bit closer. To the stupid questions. Eh, yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So what is, Michael, and who is a yeah. famous pop art artist? So, so what is pop art and who's a famous pop artist? Go on, mate. I know pop art. You know this one, mate. Pop art. I think I'm going to fucking get this, right? Listen to this, yeah? Pop art. <laughs> Pop art. We're all listening. <laughs> Pop art is all that stuff, right? Where it's like four polka dot pictures of like Marilyn Monroe and they're all different colours and that. It's very um it's very vibes and stuff. It's a bit psychedelic, it's a bit funky, it's a bit like sixties, seventies, eighties kind of time I wanna say. And my main man, I reckon, Andy Warhol was a fucking pop artist. He did te- cans of yes! soup and shit. Yes, mate. Bang. Booyah. Yes. Yeah. You got it. Oof. That's a point on the board for more. Ooh, ooh, pop ooh. art is a movement where iconic or everyday items were celebrated by making them the focal point. And the most famous artist of all of the pop artists, without a shadow of a doubt, is Andy Warhol. 
And you were yes, so correct. Andy. Pop art took place between 1955 and 1979. Michael, you fucking Ooh. killed it. <laughs> there wasn't a Barack Obama joke in sight. <laughs> okay, so this is Vinny's last question, gang. Um, yeah. He's got to get it right because I've got maximum points. You got 20 <laughs> points on that one, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy voice. <laughs> Crazy points. So, what was Dadaism? I'll give you a clue. It was again. It was part of the modern art movement. Or no, was it? Or was it postmodern? Yeah, it was modern art. Sorry, Dadaism was part of the modern. Dadaism. I feel like I did come across that in my research. Dadaism. Fuck. I really don't know. Really don't know. I might have to forfeit this one. I I couldn't even begin. Have a guess. I'll give you a clue, right? There's this MMA fighter who used to nope. be friends with Gimbo Nope. nope. It's not it. <laughs> and his name's Dada5000 or something. So maybe, maybe it's something to do with him. <laughs> you remember him, Seb? I do remember him. What a super fight that was. Just two big fat guys getting sweaty and not punching each other. <laughs> I'm going to say Dadaism is where they only use primary colours uh, and you need 3D <laughs> glasses to see it properly. And... <laughs> it's a th- it's a th- I'm going to say it's a 3D painting, so it's got, it's got like a bit of... You can put, add a little bit of hair to the painting, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like different text, textiles and stuff. Oh, I'm going to go with that. one of those kid books. Like, that's not my truck, it's... Tires are too heavy. Yeah, yeah, like different textures. It's like hair coming out. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah, it's yeah. got like that sort of thing going on. Michael, have you got um, anything that you. Mate, I've only got the Dada 5000 thing or Dada, whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> shockingly, there, you were both wrong. Dadaism was an art movement where artists focused on making satirical or unpleasant art in an effort to shock the complacent middle class into asking themselves hard questions about materialism, war, and society. It was oh. largely in a reflection to the horrors of World War One, and was associated with the anti-capitalist movement and the far left. And probably the most famous is Marcel Bouchon. But I wonder if where you came up with it before, just reading that, might have been um, the Godzilla episode, because that was like a reaction to war and was all about shocking people and making people understand the horrors that people have been through. Mm. Maybe, maybe not. But there's a really famous thing where a guy made something out of rotten mashed potatoes, and it was pretty grim, and that was like, people were like, that's disgusting, we should reflect on ourselves and not do anything again. (laughs) Don't eat potatoes. That's great. And And then they did another war, and it was quite bad. (laughs) Okay, so Uh. on that note, Vinny has come through with a pretty big win, Uh, two points to one, but let's all give a round of applause to Michael for taking part. Don't patronise me. (laughs) Taking part. (laughs) (laughs) For conquering his fears and giving it a go. Well... I don't profess to be an expert on this subject, but just remember that you scored zero on the football one last week. (laughs) Anyway, on that note, and after another successful Seb quiz, (laughs) with Holiday Seb taking the helm and 
putting in Yeehaw. a minimal amount of effort. Putting in that shiv. <laughs> Yeah. Let's hear what Vinny V Dog Middlemost has to say. But before that, you could say that I am um, that Vinny terrorized Michael. In that <laughs> quiz. Oh god. Speaking of terrorists. Michael, <laughs> speaking of terrorists. Don't you have a funny little anecdote to tell? All right, fine. I'll tell my story. I feel bad because I feel like I want Vinny to speak, but I'll tell, no, I'll tell no, my no, story. No, I want to hear it again. All right. So basically, right, there was this one time where I was the artist. Yes, me. I was the Can't artist. Believe. The burden of the art was placed on me. And no, it wasn't in a musical way either, which obviously I'm well talented at. This was in like a painting and shit way. So... We were given a task. I think it was like the first year of high school. It's like the first class with our new history teacher. And she's like, listen, historical figures. Right. What you're going to do, you're going to pick one and you're going to make a portrait out of them and like symbols and shit that represent them. You know, look around the room and around the room is all the last year's students, historical figures, paintings on the room. You got you got Winston Churchill. You got. Marilyn Monroe, you got Michael Jackson, you got fucking Billy Shears, all these big, big people, right? And she's like, go away. You got like four weeks. Do your painting, bring it in. So I'm like, right, I got this. So I go away, I do my painting. I'm not joking. Like, this was genuinely a really, really good painting. Like, if you've seen it now, you'd be you'd appreciate the brush strokes and the, the pencil work. It was really well drawn and then painted. It was multi-material as well. There was card and canvas. I bring it in and I'm saying, like, what's going on? This is going to get a top grade, right? Everybody in the class gets a commendation, which is like a special certificate. And everybody in the class's artwork goes up on the wall for the next kids to see. But mine is not on the wall. And there is not a commendation in my tray with my name on saying, good job. There is only look of horror on my teacher's face when I gave her my painting. <laughs> and I could not understand why until I got a little bit older and realized, hmm, maybe it's because as a historical figure, I didn't pick Marilyn Monroe or Winston Churchill or Michael Jackson. Maybe it's because I drew a summon Bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> You might be asking, why did you draw Sun Bin Laden? Yep. Well, I was very obsessed with 9-11 at the time and the conspiracy theories behind it. Read my Bebo blog. If you've ever read that, you'll know. You know, you're in the know. And so I was just like, objectively, I, was, I didn't think about him being a bad person. I was just like, he's very big, important historical figure, you know. He is. Fucking 9-11, <laughs> like, just happened, like, recently. Like, you know, that's massive. Like, you know good or bad he's a very historical person and so i drew his face on a canvas and i drew the afghanistan flag on the background and i drew some symbols like a rat and a grim reaper to symbolize death and destruction and all this horrible stuff did you put also, the west ham flag in the background west ham no i, I thought he supported west ham you mean arsenal oh fuck <laughs> he was famously an arsenal supporter remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I put a little picture of Gunnosaurus Rex on there. <laughs> Saluting. <laughs> Doing God's work. But no, like, and honestly, it was the most, like, detailed, like, I, I, did, I didn't trace it, but I studied this page. It was really highly detailed drawing of a song. <laughs> and it took me fucking weeks to get him good. And I gave it in, and I was like, 
what? <laughs> I, was, I was actually offended that she didn't put my Bin Laden painting on the wall. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's just me, though. I was just stupid back then. <laughs> back then. <laughs> what sort of um, art style do you think you did it in? Was it a sort of expressionist or was it more... Abstract expressionist. Mate. It was fucking sick. <laughs> fucking sexist. <laughs> it was, uh, I don't know, it was terrorist. Terrorist. Your art is an act of terrorism. <laughs> Since then, I was just, I was just mortified. I could never touch a, touch a brush again. Is that why you hate art? Because no one gave you the, you're like Hitler. That's what happened to Hitler. Yeah. Yeah, like she didn't she didn't accept my form of expression. I was just like, I just draw to some Villada, you know. <laughs> I just think he's neat, <laughs> <Yeah>. alright? <laughs> I didn't even think he was good. Like I knew he was a bad guy. It wasn't like I was like, oh Hitler Summerland's fucking cool. It wasn't even that he was cool. I was just like, he's important, he's big, like, you know, he's yeah. you know, big stuff. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, but there like you go. Hitler was big, but would you have drawn Hitler? No, because I wasn't obsessed with like Holocaust conspiracies, but I was obsessed with 9 11 conspiracies. <laughs> so I was just, conspiracy. I, already, <laughs> I already had Osama on the brain. Like, I was I was already thinking Bin Laden like all day, every Obama day. I was, was like, running for office then, probably. <laughs> Osama's yeah, I was on the like, brain. oh my God, like fucking 11 letters in Osama Bin Laden's name, like 11 in George Bush. All this shit was just going round and round in circles. As soon as she was like, draw a historical figure, I was like, boom, got it. <laughs> Bin Laden, go straight for Bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't really say anything she was just like huh <laughs> and then like next week I was, like, I was thinking oh sick I've got to see my fucking Bin Laden on the wall nope <laughs> just a nice big blank patch 11 <laughs> year old little Morg spent every night for two weeks drawing a Psalm Bin Laden and then it didn't go up on the wall yeah sad isn't it it's a true tragedy mm. yeah maybe I should tell my therapist about it maybe I'll like, unlock some secrets maybe don't <laughs> you get reported <laughs> alright I'll give that to myself <laughs> right well speaking of Bin Laden's um, it's been a while since we've heard Vinny talk <laughs> great <laughs> oh, wait I think I can do a better one go for it <laughs> speaking of 9-11 it's time we had the second strike Vinny <laughs> <What? laughs> so much worse <laughs> speaking of 9-11 and expressing your views um can i just go <laughs> yeah Vinny, do you want to go yeah please <laughs> out of all of the art movements of the past few centuries one of my favorites has to be that of the impressionist movement Born out of Paris in the late 19th century, the aim of this movement was to violate the fundamental rules of academic painting. Characterised by small, thin, yet visible brushstrokes, Impressionist painters would often emphasise colours, lighting and interesting angles over more traditional components such as lines or contours. Despite the initial backlash, the Impressionist movement would continue to grow in popularity, especially in Paris throughout the 1870s and 1880s. Now, although there had been other movements within the art scene, such as realism, which began in the 1840s, 
Impressionism is widely regarded as the first movement in modern art and was thus a profoundly influential part of artistic history. Without it, we may never had Picasso, as we know him, or Pollock with his abstract drip paintings that Mork probably fucking hates, or even Andy Warhol decades later. Did Pollock do them clocks? No, that was Salvador Dali. Do you know Salvador Dali was like actually a fascist and like genuinely enjoyed like fascist movements? Uh, I know he had an ocelot. It's a really weird fact about him. He like he uh, he liked the Nazis. It's like a really bizarre fact that no one seems to know about. All oh, right, is he is he very highly like I don't know the fella. Like I don't know if he's really highly regarded or not. Is he's he like huge? Like he's huge, basically. Yeah. He's also widely regarded in like as a bit zany. So him being a massive Nazi is a bit. Uh, but fun fact about Salvador Dali, he once did a performance in a full diving suit and fainted on stage and nearly died and no one rescued him because they thought it was part of the performance. Oh, that's a fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that comedian who with the uh, the Fez who like just had a heart attack on stage and people thought it was part of the joke so no one helped him. But anyway, anyway, but no one painter drew more from the Impressionist movement than a young Dutch man born in 1853 by the name of Vincent Vellum van Gogh. That's right. That's fucking right. Kapow! Is it true he's only got one ear? It, it's true that he's dead and his skin is most likely deteriorated from his bones <laughs> no, by now. No. <laughs> that's not why. You know that's not why, man. Well, I'll get to it, man. I'll get to it. All oh, right, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Vincent grew up in an upper-middle-class family and was always fascinated by art. He worked as an art trader as a young adult and often travelled around Europe, but it was in Antwerp, Belgium, where he first came into contact with the Impressionist movement, and he immediately loved it. Unfortunately, the cracks of his mental health started to show around this time as he became depressed whilst living in London. Vincent moved back home to the Netherlands in 1880 to live with his parents so that they could keep a close eye on him. It was around that time that his brother, Theo, suggested he take up drawing as a creative outlet. Vincent followed his brother's advice and began sketching the people and scenes around him. Now, Theo would support his brother financially and would send him money for art supplies and for food. Throughout the early and mid 1880s, Vincent's style started to develop. He would mostly paint everyday scenes of peasants and people just living their lives. And although Vincent's art was improving, his mental health was certainly declining. He would have two marriage proposals declined, with the first woman responding with no, nay, never, which is a bit fucking harsh. That's well harsh. Bit fucking harsh. Did she actually say that? Is that like yeah. historically no, nay, accurate? never? That's like the that's the quote. No, nay, <laughs> never, but in Dutch. That's like the modern equivalent of like, oh hell nah, isn't it? Oh, like hey, no, oh, nah, nay, yeah. never, yeah. nay. <laughs> Not even if hell froze over, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's bang out of order. And the second woman actually reciprocated his love, but both of the families weren't keen on the marriage. So in response she attempted to take her own life with a toxic chemical. Vincent rushed her to a nearby hospital, and thankfully she did survive. But just a few months later, in 1885, Vincent's father died of a heart attack. This fella just could not catch a break. 
He moved to Antwerp, Belgium, that November to carry on with his art studies. In this time, he lived in poverty and ate extremely poor, preferring to spend the money Theo sent him on painting materials and models. He was obsessed. Bread, coffee, and tobacco became his staple diet, and in February of 1886, he wrote to Theo that he could only remember eating six hot meals since the previous May. Jesus. Yeah. Fucking hell. Man was just so obsessed with art that he just didn't eat, basically, and didn't do, he didn't do anything but art. Despite Vincent's dislike of academic teaching, he would often attend drawing classes at the Antwerp Academy, during which his last attendance of the class required him to draw the Venus de Milo, which is obviously a very famous painting. Uh, is it a painting or is it a sculpture? I can't remember. It's a painting, right? Was it done by Da Vinci? Oh, no, it's a Greek sculpture. Never mind, I'm a fucking idiot. Cool, anyway. Yeah, it's a Greek sculpture. Anyway, so he was required to draw the Venus de Milo, but instead he opted to draw a, get this, limbless, naked torso of a Flemish peasant woman. Don't know why. Okay. Nice. Don't know why. The teacher regarded... I mean, the, Ven- the Venus de Milo does have no arms. Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. probably what, yeah... The teacher regarded this as a defiance to his artistic guidelines and made corrections to Vincent's drawing so vigorously that he tore the paper. In response, Vincent flew into a fit of rage and screamed, You clearly do not know what a young woman is like, goddammit. A woman must have hips, buttocks, a pelvis in which she can carry a baby. That's an exact quote. Uh, he said that as an English. exact quote. <laughs> no, he said that in Dutch, probably. Or... French, Flemish, whatever they spoke in Belgium then. Uh, well, he was from. He was from. Um, he was probably Dutch. I don't know. Well, he he could speak four languages, so I assume he could speak the like whatever wow. language he spoke in Antwerp. Yeah, he was a very intelligent man, a very smart man. And well, in fact, people think that he probably was on the spectrum. Like he had like Asperger's syndrome, uh, makes which sense. explains a lot of sense. <laughs> explains yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. Suffice to say the. Academy recommended Vincent repeat the year. But by that moment, he had already left for the art capital of Europe. Paris. <laughs> to live with his brother, Theo. Is that racist? Paris. <laughs> no. it's, it's fine. It's the French. It's the French. Yeah. You can't be racist towards yeah, the French. Yeah, exactly. No, you can't be racist yeah. towards the French. This is when his art began to really flourish, as he became friends with artists within the Impressionist movement. Now, it would be a lie to say Vincent was actually a part of this Impressionist movement. He's more so what's considered post-Impressionist. The key differences would be his bold, swirling brushstrokes and especially the use of his vibrant, unrealistic colours. For example, you can see in his later art pieces, such as his famous self-portrait of 1887, that he would use shades of orange, red and even blue in his own skin tone. It was also in Paris where he painted arguably his first masterpiece, Sunflowers. Mm. But despite this growing talent and recognition within the Parisian art community, he had felt worn out by the capital's lifestyle. After having completed more than 200 paintings in his two-year stay in Paris, he left for Arles to try to recover from the illnesses brought on from rampant alcoholism and tobacco smoking. During this time, he managed to produce around, 
another 200 paintings and more than 100 drawings and watercolours. This is also where he painted more of his popular pieces, such as The Sower with Setting Sun, Bedroom in Arle, The Night Cafe, and my personal favourite piece of his, Starry Night Over the Rhone. That isn't the Starry Night, that's oh. a different Starry Night. Yeah. I was going to say, I like Starry Night, and um, there's a Lego Starry Night. Of course there fucking is. <laughs> It looks good. It looks exactly, it's like 3D. So like the town at the bottom is like 3D to the back. It looks really cool. And it's made out of Lego and it looks exactly like the real painting. It's cool. It even comes with a little Vinnie Van Gogh. I'm sure that's what he would have wanted. (laughs) (laughs) It's really cool. He'd have fucking loved it. He'd have been like, yo, I'm a Lego dude. Sick. But in Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) But in Dutch, yeah. Vincent's art was flourishing at this point, but those pesky mental health problems just kept on adding up. He suffered an acute psychotic attack and even, as you said earlier, cut part of his ear off and delivered it to a prostitute he was in love with at the time. What a move, mate. We've all tried it. So not his whole <laughs> ear, like just a bit of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a misconception of his whole ear. It was like half of his like left yeah. ear I think it's like people say that like oh Mike right, you know people always have exaggerated like, oh Mike Tyson bit off of all of like a van or Hollywood's face yeah, and stuff he like had a nibble had a nibble it's like yeah, a tiny bite, nibble bit near, yeah. yeah I heard when he um when he gave it to the uh the, the, the lady in question there was quite an eerie silence <laughs> for fuck's sake I knew some shit pun was coming right. <laughs> yeah the little grin yeah. on his face like, right uh, uh, you cannot slag off my Barack Obama <laughs> joke with that I can mate I can do what I like he's hosting on holiday just cause you got a fucking cowboy hat on mate don't think you're a big time I'm on holiday I can do what I want I'm living my best life but yeah concerned with his deteriorating mental health he was checked into an asylum in saint Rami in 1889. saint Rami. Uh, Rami. Visitors such as Theo... <laughs> you just got fucking done. <laughs> you just done me. <laughs> Visitors such as Theo would often remark how isolation in the asylum was, in fact, really good for the artist. He was finally away from all the excessive drinking and the complex relationships he found himself in and was given the peace and space to just paint, which really is all he really wanted in the end. When Vincent was lucid, he would spend most of his time obsessively painting the landscapes and people around him. He was so fanatic in this passion that in a year-long stay in Saint-Rami, he completed 150 paintings. That's one painting every other day. Damn. That's insane. That's man a lot. Made, and man if they're made, good as well, like, yeah, well, you know. I mean, I love all his paintings. They're obviously really good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no. I, there was, I don't have it written down, but I think it was something like over his 10-year art career, he'd produced like 1,200 paintings, and that's excluding like drawings and watercolour stuff. Like little random, like little doodles and that. Well, just things that just strictly paintings, and they were finalised yeah. paintings as well. Damn. He is absolutely prolific. And also... Um, I feel like people really like him because, like you said, his art career was only 12 years long, which I'm sure you're going to get to, but 10 years long. It's like, um, it's a real testament to what you can do if you just obsessively do something. Like, he went from being not able to do art to one of the greatest painters who's ever lived in 10 years. Yep. Well, he checked out the asylum, 
in May of 1890, but that didn't mean he was cured. As on the 27th of July, 1890, aged just 37 and only 10 years into his art career, Vincent shot himself in the chest. After learning about this, his brother Theo rushed to his aid, and although he seemed in high spirits when he arrived, hours later the untreated infection from his wound would take his life. His last words to Theo were, the sadness will last forever. Pretty fucking depressing. That is fucking uh, depressing. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man was not, did not love life. <laughs> Who said that? Sorry, I thought that was his brother said that to him. The sadness will last forever. <laughs> Christ, no. No, he you. said that. Jesus Christ, what a thing to say to someone on their deathbed. I'll never get over this. Yeah, like, I thought he was like, oh, mate, I love you so much. Like, I'm going to be, like, so sad forever. But no, that was Van Gogh who said that. Fucking hell, yeah, that is, yeah, damn. Vincent van Gogh wasn't a child prodigy. He lived a simple life until he realised he was fucking great at art at the age of 27. Many think that his psychotic episodes are what inspired his vivid and almost psychedelic art, but it was more so in spite of his afflictions that he rose to become a master painter. There are theories now that he might have even been colourblind, which explains his odd choice of colours in places where they wouldn't normally naturally occur but he carved his own style through heavy inspiration from some of the greats of his time. And although it's a bit of a misconception that he wasn't appreciated in his time, he definitely still had a lot of critics, especially in his earlier years. Vincent was a trendsetter, and I truly believe that he would have achieved the fame he has now, today, if he had just kept going. But alas, the world was just too much for this genius to bear. And that's it's my favorite painter. R.I.P. He is a legend. I've been to the to the museum as well. Yeah, I've been to the Van Gogh Museum in <laughs> uh, Amsterdam, <laughs> and it is really fucking cool. Like it's really good in there. Yeah. Um, his paintings are actually like wicked, and it's really interesting to see how his style like changes from like the early stuff is quite realistic to then like mm. the Starry Nights and the psychedelic stuff and everything else. The only really annoying thing was it because obviously his masterpieces are in different museums all around the world and sunflowers are supposed to be in the van gogh museum at all times but it was on like another exhibition oh, the day we really? went so we didn't fucking see it yeah it was really it's like a glass cabinet and nothing in there it's really annoying and they had a few of his self-portraits in the what's the other museum called in amsterdam the big one and frank's house <laughs> no. It's not the only museum I've been to. And well, no. I've been to the sex museum. I guess sex museum, museum no. of prostitutes, <laughs> weed no. museum. No, <laughs> that's a fucking original Van Gogh and the fucking weed museum. <laughs> Fantastic. The Reich Museum. Oh Reich, yeah, yeah. yeah They've got yeah. loads in there, like because I took a selfie with Van Gogh. Selfie. <laughs> You're getting what, yeah, like longer and longer. Every yeah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took a selfie with his selfie. I thought it was hilarious, but uh, looking back, it was not very funny. <laughs> no, it's good bands, mate. He would have loved it. Um, no, I, I'm in a, I'm in a. What's the word? I'm in a bind because you've both picked artists who I really, really like. Um, I think Van Gogh is the epitome of the sort of the tortured artist. Oh yeah, and he is also the epitome of prolific and yeah the sort of sheer level of effort that he put into his work is very impressive um 
I also read somewhere or maybe listened somewhere that there's a theory that he might not have killed himself, but he, so he used to hang around with these like two mentally disabled guys and they were playing with a pistol shortly before he quote unquote shot himself. Oh. And I've seen a few people mm. say that because obviously shooting yourself in the chest is quite a weird yeah. way to do it. It's like, especially with a, it's quite difficult and they think that maybe while messing about with these two guys, he was shot and he just said he shot himself because he didn't want to get the other guy in trouble. Ah, interesting. That's even, that's even sadder. Like, he's such like, a nice guy that he like would rather die than like, get this guy in trouble. Yeah, exactly. That is really interesting. He sought help after he was shot. Like, he did well, go off and, thing. you know, they tried to fight, like, treat him. But I think at the place he was at, there weren't any surgeons at, around, so they weren't able to properly treat yeah. him, which is mm. what ended up really killing and him. I think that's why a lot of people point to it as a bit off, because obviously he he didn't shoot himself and then just be like, oh, I'm going to accept my fate. He then tried to get fixed. Mm. But anyway, it's an interesting it's yeah. an interesting thought, and I think potentially quite likely, but, you know, we'll never really know. However, I do now have to come to a decision. Unfortunately, it's quite an easy one for me. I love Banksy, and I think he's one of the artists that made me... He definitely introduced me to art. But once I was introduced to art through Banksy, Vincent van Gogh, Vincent van Gogh, Vinnie van G, is probably my... He is, he is my favourite artist. And to know that he's your favourite artist as well, Vinnie, I think he's a lot of people's favourite artists, and he's one of those artists that somehow seems to like transcend the hype he's not one of those ones where everyone talks about him and then you go and look at it and you're like eh, it's all right you go and look at it and you're like okay mm. this is actually banging and the vincent mm. van gogh museum is amazing mm. me and lucy went um it was the first thing we did when we got mm. to amsterdam after not sleeping the night before to get on a plane at three in the morning and i got there at about eight i was so tired <laughs> i was falling asleep standing up and i don't actually remember much of it i just remember crying at various oh, points throughout the show, so it must have been good. So, without a doubt, I have to crown Vincent van Gogh the greatest artist of all time, the greatest fine artist of all time. There are other artists of other kinds. We might do the greatest sculptor or the greatest musical artist at some other point, but the greatest fine artist to me, and I had two goats, the goat fine artist is the one and only Vincent van Gogh, R.I.P., Never, Never forgotten. For <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> right. I did not think we would end the episode with fucking Barack Obama being the best joke. Definitely wasn't. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. Don't try and fucking run your way out of that shit. Remember to go on the Patreon. Remember to follow us on Instagram. Remember that next week I'll be back in the UK and my audio will sound a lot better. Love you all very much. Goodbye. Love you, bye. And remember, kids, if your art teacher asks you to draw a historical figure, don't draw Bin Laden. Love you, bye. <laughs> Love you, bye. <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.